The word anti is loaded, but I do. I think of it as an anti-consumerist mindset. What's a consumerist mindset? I need something. Uh, E-commerce providers have made it frictionless for me to get it in one click or no clicks or to talk to a robot on my counter that will order it and have it at my house. The consumerist mindset is I have a need. I'm going to fulfill it immediately. And I've just thought of it. And boom, here we go. And of course, there are billions and billions of dollars being made this way. All I really want with the anti-consumerist mindset is a pause. Hello and welcome to the Optimal Agency Podcast. My name is Patrick Cummings. As always, I am joined by my friend John Gilson. Together with you, we are exploring the ideas of agency, diving deep to discover a set of guidelines on how each of us can best operate in the day-to-day to maximize our personal autonomy, professional freedom, and ultimately our positive impact on the world. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. How are you, John? I'm great, Pat. Excellent. I'm happy to hear it. I'm happy to see you. Um, we're going to do something slightly different. We're going to tweak what we've been doing just a little bit. We're going to do this week, we're going to do a, a longer discussion on how we can own our lives by becoming optimal agents. And then every other week, we're going to bring in listener questions. So next week, we'll have a listener question episode. This time will be a bit of a deeper dive on this particular subject of agency. So this time, this week, we're going to talk about how to stop buying stuff we do not need, and then we'll wrap up with a little recommendation on uh, where to go deeper on this idea if you would like to. Ready to go? Let's do it. I love this idea of how, how to stop buying stuff you don't need. It's something I've thought about a lot, and I'm excited to get into this conversation with you. I'd love to maybe start with really high level. When we say stuff you don't need... What do you th- like? What lives under that in that category for you, for us, as we get into this conversation? What what should we should we think about anything that isn't food, shelter, uh, you know, the, the basic necessities, or can we broaden it out a little bit? Yeah, I, it's a personal choice. Uh, what stuff you don't need is for me. Stuff I don't need looks a lot like things I already have that serve their purpose. It's kind of having that third sweater and that fifth pair of shoes. <laughs> yep. uh, it's that, you know, it's for, for me, frankly, it's the, it's the fourth snowboard. It's the, it's the buying the technology because they came out with a new one, not because the one you have doesn't work. Uh, and so it's also narrowing your needs for happiness and understanding that <clears throat> impulse purchasing uh, gives you a, a wonderful kick of joy in the moment and almost always has no lasting effect on your happiness. And so if I understand that by spending on stuff I don't need, that I'm in fact probably not serving my happiness and as we'll probably get into, there are a bunch of other reasons not to do it, uh, I can define stuff I don't need as broadly or as narrowly as I care to to serve those higher goals. One thing that we've talked about a little bit before in episodes past, and it's not totally germane to this conversation, but I do think about it, which is just that, you know, the the American economy basically operates and is considered successful the more people buy stuff that probably they don't need, right? Like it's, it, everything is is contingent on getting people to purchase more things and th- and without that, like we we fall apart. <laughs> And so yeah, this yeah. this conversation, this idea, this mentality, really even more broadly of agency is it really does run counter to the American story to a, to a large degree. In a huge way. So GDP year over year in the third quarter this year increased 4.9%. 
in the historical context, that's insane. Mm. That's insane. That'd be like your boss suddenly pulling you aside and saying, I know we're paying you $70,000 a year right now, but we'd like to pay you $7 million a year instead. <laughs> How's that sound? Uh, the, uh, the fact is in 2017, American consumers were spending about $2 trillion or so on uh, Christmas gifts. Mm. This year, they'll spend six to seven trillion in inflation-adjusted dollars, anchored mm. to 2017. So, you know, a three to four times increase in that consumer spending that drives our GDP. It does, and so there's a really simple mechanism by which you are being trapped. <laughs> and you know, uh, lest this sound like a conspiracy theory, uh, just listen to this from a first principle standpoint and tell me if it vibes with your experience. You buy things you don't need with consumer debt. You therefore have to make payments on those things. Think your car, for instance, it, lest you think you don't carry credit card balances and so you're immune to this. Mm -hmm. So now you need a job that pays you to make things that other people buy so that you can pay for the things you bought. Mm. Okay. So even at the most basic, basic level, employment is a way to pay for things that you've purchased by selling things to other people. <laughs> and so the question we deal with is, do you need those things or not? Because you can opt to be a part of that cycle, or you can opt to be apart from that cycle. Yep. Yep. And that's in large part comes down to your pursuit or our pursuit of agency and being willing to prioritize that over some of the things we're going to talk about, I think today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So let's, let's dive into the, the first, the, the, why does it matter? Why does it matter that we, that we start to pay attention or we start to figure out how to, to buy fewer, fewer things that we do not need? Why does it matter? Why is this part of this pursuit, as we're saying, of agency? Well, let's start with the obvious one. Let's start with wealth. Your whole objective to become an optimal agent is to take your earned income and to turn it into passive income. We do that by saving the difference between our income and our expenses and investing that in appreciating assets, right? Think stocks, think bonds, think CDs, think US Treasury bills, et cetera. And so every dollar I don't elect to spend on a consumer purchase or something I don't need is a dollar available to me that earned income dollar that I can turn into a passive income dollar. And when I do that often enough and I get in the habit of doing that, what happens not in the first year or the second year or the third year, but the 10th year and the 20th year is I have generated so much passive income by converting my earned income over that work becomes elective, hopefully at a much younger age than, than traditional retirement. Mm -hmm. So the wealth reason is probably paramount for me. The second why on how to stop buying. And I love you keep saying stuff. You're so PG. It's good. How to stop buying I made stuff that you don't need. Yeah. yeah, no, you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. Uh, can, it, it's acting with purpose. For me, a lot of agency is, is someone deciding this for you or are you deciding it yourself? And there are people who are highly paid, including myself in my history, to market things to you, to mm -hmm. use the psychological manipulation necessary to get you to part with your credit card number. And every time I can fight that urge, I'm exhibiting control over my own choices. I'm not letting somebody else make those choices for me. So mm -hmm. the third reason, and this one I didn't think about for a lot of my life, to be honest, but I do now. 
And that's consumption has externalities. Okay, so I order something off of Amazon.com, right? Well, how did it get here? Well, it was in a warehouse that's HVAC controlled, that's consuming vast amounts of energy to keep its lights on, run its robots, and and uh, help Jeff Bezos' personal portfolio. Okay, mm-hmm. that thing gets into a U.S. Postal Service, Amazon, or UPS truck that burns gasoline to get to me, right? Uses tires, depreciates a truck, etc. It shows up at my door where I open it and I'm left with probably some piece of plastic packaging in addition to the thing. And I'm left with a cardboard box that now another truck has to come to my house, pick up, bring to a recycling center, which uses energy, 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 energy. You know, and we talk about this in a term that uh, I don't like, which is a carbon footprint, Mm. right? How much carbon is being used to get this thing to me? How much carbon is contained in this thing, et cetera? Why don't I use it? Because you've heard it so much, you tune it out. Mm-hmm. So start thinking about this term, externalities. What are all of the negative and positive impacts of the thing I'm doing? And if you look at the positive externalities of consumerism, they all are driving a consumer cycle, right? It's helping US GDP, which means it's helping my stock portfolio. And I am a red-blooded American, so I have a... No, you don't have to do that. Everybody else will carry on. you know. And so if you stop buying stuff you don't need, you'll increase your wealth. You'll be exhibiting control and you'll be limiting your externalities in the world, all of which are wonderful things. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's get into the, the, a bit of the how, um, how do we mm-hmm. start to put this principle into place again in a, again, where you and I are speaking, uh, in America, like how do we put these principles into place in a place where the priority, the celebration, the, the definition of success is that collectively we all keep buying stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So let's reject that as a marker of success (laughs) and instead say that our marker of success is we use consumption as a last resort, not a first resort. For me, this is an anti-consumerist mindset, Hmm. right? I want to make sure that I've gone through a whole laundry list of questions and asked myself before I buy something that I've truly examined the emotional alternatives, the fiscal alternatives, and frankly, even the case of simply not buying before I hit that checkout button, go to that store, you know, drive to Target for the fifth time this month. Uh, and to me, I, you know, and the word anti is loaded. But I do. I think of it as an anti-consumerist mindset. What's mm-hmm. a consumerist mindset? I need something. Uh, e-commerce providers have made it frictionless for me to get it in one click or no clicks or to talk to a robot on my counter that will order it and have it at my house. right? And so the consumerist mindset is I have a need. I'm going to fulfill it immediately. And I've just thought of it. And boom, here we go. And of course, there are billions and billions of dollars being made this way. All I really want when the anti-consumerist mindset is a pause before you hit that button, before you talk to your counter counter robot, uh, (laughs) before you put something on subscription, let's think. Mm -hmm. Maybe instead of anti-consumerist, we can start thinking about it as as (laughs) pro-agency. There you go. Yeah, I want you to have a a pro-agency mindset around consumption. Yeah. 
I like that. Uh, and then the other the other how here is really simple. Uh, use our elements of agency. Is this purchase, and not through some roundabout justification, but is this purchase going to improve my health, uh, my wealth, or my time? Uh, mm-hmm. And if it is, um, you have my blessing. And if you need to go through a four step logical chain to get to the benefit to your health, wealth, or time, you're lying to yourself and me. Stop it. Uh, give an example of that. Cause I think, I think that's important, but I want to make sure, so I want to make sure folks know what you mean by like that four step logical, <laughs> like what does that mean? Sure. So one of our rules of health is to prioritize connection and friendship. Yes. Okay. And, uh, all of my friends have, uh, 2019 or newer Corvettes. And so if I want to hang out with them, when they go to the car show, I also need a Corvette. And so I'm going to buy one in pursuit of friendship. Mm -hmm. Got it. Right. And it doesn't even sound that crazy. Uh, it sounds pretty crazy when you make it a Corvette, but what if you made it anything else that your friends are into so you can participate to buy something yep. you don't need? Yep. Um, I feel like that's a good bridge into, you've got a series of questions that I love um, to ask ourselves to you know first create that gap, which I think you, you've already mentioned, create the gap between like, oh, I want the thing, I got the thing, or I ordered the thing more likely. And okay, so we've got, let's let's insert into that gap, assuming we can create it, some questions so that we can decide, is this, does this move us towards my agency? Does it move the, you know, does it, does it increase my health, wealth, or my time or to what we're talking about here? Or am I fooling myself by either thinking it is, or by forgetting that I've got these series of questions that I can ask myself. So let's, let's maybe dive into the questions. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, so the first question is, do I own this already? Uh, once you reach a certain level of affluence, you have things that meet the need you have, right? In other words, the coat that keeps you warm, the shoes that cover your feet, uh, the set of dishes that allows mm-hmm. you to have your friends over even though they don't all match, right? That sort of thing. And very often I find, and this is a very personal observation, that when I want to go buy something, I already own it, mm. right? And for me, it's mountain sports and gravity sports. Yep. It's cool. I have three bikes. Do I need a fourth one? Really? Right. I have two pairs of shoes for this activity. Do I need another one? It's, you know, okay, I have, I can sharpen my snowboard with the stone I've got, but this one does it automatically with electricity, you know? (laughs) And so I think it's really worthwhile often to just say, have you already got this? Mm. Have you already got this? Why are you buying it? And I think the reason is there are certain things that in the vein of kind of Ramit Sethi, I will teach you to be rich, we buy ourselves over and over and over again because we've put them in the category of things we allow ourselves to buy. Mm-hmm. You know, and so we might be that whole penny wise pound foolish when it comes to buying something that doesn't matter to you, say lawn equipment, mm-hmm. right? But then you're willing to go absolutely off the rails uh, buying in-game downloads in Fortnite or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, right? And so I think the question, do I already own this, subverts our natural tendency to give ourselves permission to go nuts in any given category of expenditure. Got it. Uh, The next question is, am I replacing something that still has useful life? The, you know, the the insidious phrase, uh, I need a new, 
<laughs> do you really? Right. And uh, I don't know, you know, what that might be, but it might be, I need a new couch. I need a new washing machine. I need a new pair of shoes. I need a new car. I need a new pair of skis. I need a new bike. Right. It could be any of these things and more. You know, for you, what that thing is. And I think we often substitute the vernacular of I need for what we really, what really is happening, which is I want. Mm-hmm. And we're not saying, hey, right, the, the old one's good enough. And I think honestly, Pat, that comes from marketing because mm-hmm. in non, uh, in, in consumer goods that have a long useful life, nonetheless, the companies that make those things drive purchases by doing minor league aesthetic changes to the thing and releasing a new one, right? Uh, I, I know I'm talking a lot about skiing and snowboarding, but it's, uh, you know, it's snowing here in, in mm-hmm. northern New Hampshire. Does Vocal, the ski manufacturer, really need to come out with a new pair of the same model of skis every year? I'm going to go hard no. I'm going to go <laughs> hard no. And yet they have stockholders and, yep. you know, uh, owners and et cetera. And, you know, uh, they come out with that to drive that exact behavior, replace something that already has useful life. So I think it's a a really good thing. One of my favorites, uh, and this is, this should be, if you have no other filter, maybe this one, uh, was I planning to purchase this before today? Hmm. Right. So that instantly takes the, the impulse buy instant gratification thing and throws it on its head. You are Mm -hmm. not allowed to buy anything the day you think of it. Right. Unless it's yep. like, I haven't, I, I forgot to eat today. Like you can, yep. okay, that's fine. Like, you know, that whole shelter water <laughs> thing, fine. Food, shelter, water. But, uh, you know, it, having that pause of saying, I only thought of this today and I'm buying it today is almost immediately indicative of a consumer mindset rather than a consumerism as last resort mindset. Uh, one that we got from our Swedish death cleaning episode, which I think was our maybe our second our or third first, episode yeah. of this podcast yeah. ever, uh, <laughs> was, am I willing to see this go to a landfill? Mm. Right. So when you buy it, imagine it's end of life. What happens to this thing when I'm done with it? Right. Are my relatives going to clean it out of the attic, uh, you know, in my, in my estate sale? Yep. Is this uh, something that in a year I'm going to throw away. I'm going to put in a contractor bag out on the on the uh, lawn for the you know the trash people to take. And I think that that's a really useful question to get you to buy things that have enduring lives and second owner lives. Okay, what do I mean by that? Well, so for instance, uh, I replaced something I didn't truly need to replace earlier this year. We had a snowblower that didn't uh, blow far enough for us, <laughs> basically. Uh, and so uh, I got on Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist, and I literally said, paying it forward, this works. It works well. We got a new one. It was given to us. I'd like to give it to you. And put it out on the curb, and it was gone. And it was gone mm-hmm. because there are people who can fix that, frankly. And my neighbors are Full of them, I have the mechanical aptitude of a no thumb chimpanzee. But like, you know, I have neighbors who will make that thing throw a hundred feet, mm-hmm. right? And so they came and got it. And so, if you're buying something, does it have a second life? Does it have a useful life? Like, how long will it stay out of a landfill? And will it always stay out of a landfill? Is it made out of things that are easily recyclable? 
you know, and metal, of course, being one of those things. Uh, how often will I use this? Mm-hmm. How often will I use this? Uh, so, uh, dumb purchase made without consideration of was I planning this to purchase this before today? So, uh, and I think it's funny how I think about the listener here. Hey, thanks for listening to this podcast. I live in the sticks, and so all my examples are from the sticks. And <laughs> we have a lumberjack store. Okay, literally, you can go buy power equipment there, uh, but it's very geared towards the logging industry because that's the history here in northern New Hampshire. And so I go in there to get our chainsaw uh, tuned up, serviced for the year. And there's a pole saw for sale. So a pole saw is a chainsaw on the end of a stick, basically. Okay, six hundred dollar thing. I'm like, I got a, I got a tree limb. I should, I, I could cut. I got a trim. Okay, so I buy this six hundred dollar pole saw. You know how many limbs I've trimmed with that pole saw? One. Two. One. So no, no just the, just the one. So <laughs> so far, I'm amortized that it's that limb cost me six hundred dollars to take down. Yep. You know, I could have called somebody in Southern Connecticut and had them drive up here and take that limb off for less. Than than that. So how often will I use this? And the answer is, if not very often, can I rent or borrow this? Mm -hmm. You know, I think we often don't ask our neighbors for things that we need, Mm. whether it's, you know, whether it's that, hey, can I borrow two eggs or can can I borrow your pole saw? So now I run around Randolph, New Hampshire offering, like, hey, you need a pole saw? You guys want to borrow my (laughs) pole saw? Anybody need to cut some tree limbs? Uh, Another great question. Can I buy this used? And this is the opposite of when I buy something new, I want to make sure it has a second life and is recyclable for it before it goes to the landfill. Can you be the person who gives that thing the second life? You know, whether it's power equipment, a bike, uh, clothing, you know, uh, you can very often, and I know how averse we are to this as a culture and I have no idea why, go to the thrift store, mm-hmm. go to the thrift store, the coat, the coat you want is there. I'm guessing. It's last seasons is the opposite of fast fashion, but it's there. The t-shirts you need, they're there. Somebody else wore them. Don't worry about it. That's why you have a washing machine, you know? And, uh, I was really inspired by something Annie did in preparing for our, uh, our holidays this year. We needed more dishes, literally more dishes. And instead of going and getting new ones, she went to the thrift store. And found these beautiful, these beautiful uh, dishes. And actually, you know, just for giggles, went on eBay to see if the same dishes were on eBay. And they were at approximately 10 times the price. Mm. You know, she'd paid $10 for something that was going for eBay on 100 150 So going and looking used should be a much larger part of people's arsenal than it is. And if you look at buy nothing organizations, if you look at goodwill organizations, if you look at local consignment, thrift shop, boutique, you shop on Craigslist, you're going to find a lot of the things you need in very, very good condition. Uh, Two things before you move on. Uh, One of the things that I love doing and I do it all the time is when I'm looking to buy new books, I always go, I still do it on Amazon, but Amazon sells or they third party used books. And 97% 97% of the time I can get the exact book I'm looking for slightly used, but other, but like no discernible difference between the new book and the old book. Uh, and so that's just a tiny thing that, that I try to do when I can. Second thing is a mm-hmm. question, which is you mentioned, you know, for whatever reason, we don't like going into thrift shops. We don't like buying used. We don't like going onto f- Craigslist to buy the thing instead of buying it. Brand- like why do you have any sense or any insight into or opinion on, what what is our aversion to 
to thrift or to buying second secondhand, given that almost everything we need, short of like the iPhone 15, even though you can probably get that used now at this point, is <laughs> like we can get the same thing slightly used. Why don't we? Why don't we like that? I can only guess. I can only guess why that's not common. Uh, I suspect it's harder. So just the friction of doing it, you don't know if it's there. So if I need dishes and I get on Amazon, I know the dishes are there and I know yep. they'll be at the house in two days. And it's really convenient because I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to look. There's no hunt. There's no hope. There's not, hey, do they have it? Do they not have it? Most secondhand retailers do not have good e-commerce presences. They don't mm -hmm. have good listings. They don't have good photos. They don't even have listings, frankly. So you're going to those places on a crapshoot. So mm -hmm. you've got to want to, and you've got to have the time to spend to do it. And I think that there's irony there. You work eight hours a day and you barely have time to work out, see your family, do those things, but you're working so you can buy things new where if you bought everything you bought at half price, you wouldn't have to work as much. And so you'd have some time to go look for those things. <laughs> and so you can kind of see that there's a, there's a cycle in that. We yep. don't do it, I believe, first and foremost, because it's not convenient. The second yep. is, I think there's a really uh, strong aversion in current American culture to looking or feeling poor. I think poor, I mean, I know poor is a four-letter word, but I think you know what I mean. I think mm -hmm. we're really averse to ever being perceived that way. I can't tell you the last time I was with anybody but Annie and they said, I got this at the thrift store. Isn't it great? Mm -hmm. In our house, it's a virtue to get something wonderful at the thrift store. I think in most places, especially urban places, which are the places where the most consumerism occurs just by dint of population and wealth, right? Boston, New York, Chicago, San Francisco, et cetera, et cetera. This is mm -hmm. where most consumerism happens. Uh, nobody goes to a cocktail party and says, do you like my tux? I got it at Goodwill. <laughs> so, you know, I think that there's a cultural uh, kind of gap against saving money through this. It's almost a, and there's a self-perception gap, right? I'm the type of person who yep. can afford new. I'm the type of person who gets the, right? And so I think a lot of it, if you get drill all the way down is status related. Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah. Before before I push on, were there any more questions you wanted to slide in there? I think we've got, I, I counted seven. I'm going to do a quick review of them, but any more you want to slide in there before we move on? Yeah, one more, one more. Okay. Uh, can I make what I need instead of purchasing it? Got it. Yeah. So Patrick, when we were talking about starting to film this podcast, sent me an ad for a thing that <laughs> essentially hangs your camera off of your monitor. Yep. Right. Uh, and <laughs> it became very obvious to me it was a box with a pole on it. And so yep. I went out to my garage and I cut a dowel. And I took a piece of wood I already had and I made the thing and I'm looking at it right now as I'm talking to you, the zero, the zero dollar webcam mm -hmm. holder. Uh, <laughs> and so I like that because you're turning consumption into creation. And I believe that there's magic in creation, genuinely in saying I need something and instead of buying it, I built it. Uh, it, to me, is one of the ultimate expressions of agency. Mm -hmm. Right of self sufficiency of power, you know. If you need something, can you make it? 
we wanted a record console. Uh, Annie and I really like playing vinyls, uh, and she made it. She made it, you know, out cool. of out of some maple. It's very nice. It's very nice, and she'd never made furniture in her life. Well, that's not exactly true. She's made some ottomans and stuff like that, but she made it. And people come over and they go, that's really nice. Is it, you know, and yeah, it's custom. It's Mm. custom, right? (laughs) Because, and what did it cost? It was a sheet of maple plywood, uh, a Craig pocket tool. uh, I'm sorry, a Craig pocket screw uh, jig that allows you to put shelves together. And we're we're probably into it for 70 bucks. Mm -hmm. You know, so anyway, I love that idea of, can you become a maker? It reminds me of you and I, our history of the the portable pull-up bar <laughs> way back in the way back days, which is this thing you came up with when you and I had first discovered CrossFit and blah, blah, blah. There, we had this day of the week that the gym wasn't open. And so we'd go to the park and we'd do, we'd do our little workouts. We'd have our friends come. We'd bring some kettlebells. And we we're like, man, it'd be great to be able to do some pull-ups. And you were like, yeah, I can make one of those. And so through trial and error and a whole bunch of Home Depot parts, we came up with this thing that we ultimately called the portable pull-up bar, which was like, you know, you and you remember the 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 material better than I do, but we would make it. And then the first thing we sold at Again Faster was this portable pull-up bar. Like, hey guys, yeah. I know you want to I know you want to do pull-ups when you're not at the gym. We've got this thing. It costs us whatever it costs us 60 bucks to make. We'll sell it to you for 90. And that was how we started this e-com company that went on to go for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we turn uh, 75 bucks retail, about $40 worth of Home Depot parts, the portable pull-up bar, mm-hmm. parlayed into uh, an employer that at its peak employed about 80 people in, in six or seven different countries. Um, yeah. So yeah, make stuff. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm gonna do a quick review of those questions. I do. I think they're really important. I want to make sure we, we get, we, um, we hit on them. Number one, um, do I already own this? Number two, am I replacing something I don't need to replace? Number three, was I planning to purchase this thing before today? Number four, am I willing to see this go to a landfill? Number five, how often will I use this? Number six, can I rent or borrow it? Number seven, can I buy this used? And number eight, can I make it instead of buying it? So uh, I love those questions. I would love to dive into one more thing we wanted to hit on, which is advertising. (laughs) Something we've talked about on this podcast here before, uh, and specifically your efforts at eliminating or certainly decreasing the number of advertising bits of advertising that you see on a given basis. And and I think it should be just clear, like we are receiving an, an amazing amount of marketing and advertising every single day. Mm-hmm. Every single day, everywhere we look, that we are being, we are subtly and not so subtly being sold things. And so, what can we do? Probably not to eliminate it, because to do that would probably be sit in a room quietly and never leave. But what can we do to dramatically decrease the volume of advertising that we uh, are subject to every day? Yeah. So, uh, I am on a crusade to eliminate advertising from my life. Uh, and so, here are the things I've done so far uh, I pay for streaming services to not have ads. Uh, I pay for premium versions of those because I believe that that's essentially an investment in things I won't buy, if that makes sense, that $9.99 a month or $14.99 a month, more than makes up for me not spending $15 on something I see an ad for. Okay, I'm also not on social media on a regular basis unless I'm in there with a mission because social media has become the number one spot for digital advertisement to be native and in feed. Uh, 
Right. So uh, Instagram is pioneering a non-ad version in Europe right now. Uh, mm. That said, if you've ever watched these things, there are a lot of creators who are smart. They embed products in their content. You know, and so this is called product placement. It's hard to avoid, but one of the easiest ways to avoid it is simply, hey, I'm going to stay off social media. And if I can't, I'm going to pay for the ad free version of YouTube, Spotify, Hulu, Netflix, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Pay for the ad free version. Uh, the, uh, the next thing is put an ad blocker on your browser. Uh, I use one called shocker ad blocker uh, <laughs> that that stops literally pop-up ads from occurring it's not just a pop-up blocker it also stops embedded ads okay uh, the next thing that you can do is to stop direct mail so one of the really the most effective ways to make sure you look at an advertisement and this should actually occur to you is to put it in your mailbox mm. you will at least look at it right and now especially amongst the clothing retailers but any number of retailers they're really good at making a very pretty catalog that you feel yep. weird about recycling mm -hmm. right so i have a recycling first the direct mail association allows you to say don't send me direct mail it's probably an 80 percent solution i still get direct mail and so what i do is we have a bin right inside the front door and before any of the mail gets parceled out to me and annie i take everything that's an advertisement i put it right in that bin Mm -hmm. Like you won't, give me. you won't give me, <laughs> <laughs> you won't give me, you know, we're going to use you to start a fire on Saturday if you're lucky, uh, you know, in the stove guys, in the stove. But uh, those are effective. Uh, I think the other thing that should go really without saying, but shopping is not a hobby. Okay, so this is probably foregone in the case of, you know, most of our worlds, but don't go shopping to go shopping, right? Mm. If you don't know what you're going to buy, don't do it, right? Because the the mall itself is an advertisement, right? Other, if it wasn't, they wouldn't have signs above the doors. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if it wasn't, it wouldn't say 50% off boots in the, in the window. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, you know, don't go shopping. I think there are other creative ways to do this. Uh, one of my favorites is even if I have subscribed to something for a discount on something I've bought in the past, I'll unsubscribe from your newsletters, all of them. Mm -hmm. Right. So even if it, you know, and I've heard often from people I tell this to, well, how do you know when they're having a sale? Well, I don't. <laughs> I don't, and I don't care mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. not knowing they have they're having a sale saves you more money than knowing they're having a sale. Uh, you'll like this, Pat. I used to uh, when we were working at the bank back in the the early uh, aughts. Uh, one of my colleagues she used to come back from Macy's and she'd say with bags and bags of stuff. She'd say, "John, I saved so much money." <laughs> and I said, "I don't think you understand the concept." <laughs> Uh, I love so, that. From lots of ways to stop bank. ads. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Just and that's a good segue. I think money in, doesn't mean you keep money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a good segue there too. I think the last thing we want to chat about on this subject of um, not buying stuff we don't need, which is what do we do with it instead? What do we do with mm. the, the money we save? What do we do with the money we don't spend on the the Black Friday deals that are as we record this rampant? Yeah, uh, everywhere. Like, what is the okay? Great, we've done it. Now what? I think one of the best things you can do is to limit your ability to buy those things by automating your investments. 
Mm. So if you know after your paycheck comes in and all your bills are there, you're going to have $1,000 in your checking account, shuttle 500 of it into your brokerage account and have it automatically invest in a low-cost index fund. It won't be there for you to spend. And mm-hmm. you'll be automatically turning earned income into passive income. So I think that really the strongest thing to do is to limit the pool of money you could spend on things you don't need. Uh, the other thing that I'd love to see people do is catch yourself in the process of buying something you don't need and shuttle that money into an investment immediately. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm considering buying a $200 pair of boots. I realize I have boots, I don't need them, right? I'm unwilling to see those boots go to my house with those externalities on gasoline and energy. I'm unwilling to see them go to a landfill. Cool. I'm going to do the smart agency filled thing and buy $200, uh, you know, worth of bonds. Mm-hmm. Do it. Do it. I would love to see something like that. If you're in debt, it will feel good for you to catch yourself, take that 200 bucks and pay down your car. It'll feel good. And you'll get mm-hmm. the same neurochemical hit, maybe more enduring than you would have gotten from having another tchotchke of thing in your house. You know, so yeah, invest it, save it. Uh, if you can do it in the moment, awesome. If you can automate it so that you never even have the possibility of buying stuff you don't need, even better. Got it. All right. I think it's a good place to wrap up this conversation. Thank you for it. We're going to jump into a quick recommendation that I've got for folks. If you want to dive maybe a little bit deeper in a slightly related, but not exactly uh, same subject matter. But first, we just want to let you know about the optimal agency white papers. If you've been listening to the show, you know we've got 18 rules and behaviors that we continue to come back to reference and explore. We've collected all of them into a series of free white papers. You can get them at optimalagency.co slash white papers. You can explore the rules, the behaviors, as well as the meta rules, and importantly, our actionable guides for improving each element of agency, whether it's your health, your wealth, or your time. So again, optimalagency.co slash white papers, free download and thank you in advance for reading them. All right. So for our little uh, closeout here, I just wanted to, in thinking about this conversation, the a book came to mind and it's one we've talked about a little bit before. We've, we've mentioned it anyways, which is a book called The Good Life by Robert Waldinger. And uh, Dr. Waldinger is, he runs the Harvard study on happiness and health and some, that's not the name of it, but it's close enough. It's basically, it's the longest longitudinal study ever done on human happiness. And this book, again, it's called The Good Life, is uh, a, a, the culmination, or not the culmination, but the the sum, summation of what they've learned over these many, many years of studying people and seeing what actually makes people healthy and happy. And I'll give you the, the very quick Cliff's notes, which is the relationships we build, the relationships we foster, the relationships we nurture are the things at the end of our lives that will make us the happiest and ultimately make us the healthiest as we go. And so I thought this was a good compliment to this conversation that we're having because it's, it's, I think a lot of times the thing we think we're doing when we're buying the new boots or the latest iPhone or the 80 inch TV and not the 40 inch TV is we think we're buying ourselves happiness when almost nothing has shown or, or almost nothing proves that that is the case. As, as opposed to what they've, they've shown and what they've been able to prove with this, with this study at Harvard, which is it's the people in our lives. It's the strength of our connections. It's the investment in those relationships that ultimately do make us happy and do ultimately make us healthy. And so I've, I thought it was like, I thought it was the, the nice compliment to this anti-consumerist, um, uh, 
mentality that we've been talking about here. Well, instead of this, it's this. This is what we're actually aiming for. This is what we think we're accomplishing when we do that. Instead, point that energy, point that time, point that, point those resources towards this, and you will probably get much closer to what you think you're going, you're, you're aiming for when buying things you don't need. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the tricks there, of course, is to, uh, buy things for other people and Mm, to buy experiences for your friends, uh, that you get to participate in. So, uh, thanks Pat. That's a great racco. And, uh, I think I need to pick up that book again. I read it once and would love to have it burned in my brain. It also reminds me what you just said, and I'm going to blank on the exact title of the, the episode we did, but we did an episode on, on how to spend money to make yourself happy. And we, and some of that is in there, what you just mentioned, spend it on other people, spend it it on experiences, spend it on anticipating experiences with other people. So also recommend that episode yeah, um, and maybe I'll put it in the show notes. What it was called. Yeah. It's, yeah uh, go ahead. it's called, uh, if money isn't making you happy, you're not spending it right yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and it's definitely in the newsletters as well. Cool. All right. Amazing. Thank you, John. Thank you out there for listening. Thank you for your ratings and your reviews. Thank you, especially for sharing the show with friends. That is the single best way that new folks will find us. And we appreciate it in advance. John and I will be back next week for another episode of Optimal Agency.